the one way we're sure to not get children to stop something is by telling them and reprimanding them and punishing them for doing the wrong thing and just aggressively telling them to stop. And time and time again, we've seen this principle play out, right? You try and suppress something, it doesn't normally work. And it's always, I think what it is, we're always suppressing nature. When you try and suppress nature, it backfires because nature is always stronger than you. So welcome back, everyone, to the With Joe Eby podcast. We're continuing on these ideas, talking about the I and the part of us that is is us, okay, and being complicated. And where we're up to so far, we've talked about you're not your thoughts. Your thoughts don't really come from you, so you can't really fully identify with any thought that just pops into your head. Even further, there is no singular you, and we're much better uh, served thinking about ourselves as a collective. And then this creates this probably anxiety that we don't have autonomy and control and I just want to be airtight on that idea and and info, and uh, ham home the ram home the point sorry that we can't really suppress that because that doesn't normally work really well and with uh, children and teenagers so there's obviously in teenage years there's a lot of hormonal and um, reasons related to myelin in our brains and things like that forming closed pathways that it's very hard for us to actually just consolidate and do what we're told and that's why rebellious teens is such a thing and rebel without a cause and james dean and all that all that jazz uh we have uh, yeah huge challenges also telling people not to do something uh, makes it scarcer which makes it seem more valuable because we're wired to have that scarcity principle right um, so it's all fascinating stuff to think about because we can probably apply that to how we engage with ourselves Right? Suppression doesn't normally work. You tell uh, children and teens not to do something, it just makes them want to do it. Right? Kids in particular, young kids love it when you tell them not to do something. Right? Um, the other thing I was thinking about is, example is prison. Right? We, prison doesn't necessarily um, help people reform, improve, uh, even though we punish them, put them away. A lot of the time, it's a breeding ground for worse criminal behavior. There was this huge controversy about a, uh, a TV show called Scared Straight, where they basically got kids from what I understand were rough. No, I never watched it. I read about it. Uh, rough backgrounds. And took them to prisons where the inmates would like basically just scare the shit out of them and hurl abusive stuff at them and scare them out of like ever coming to prison. Although they found that and it, it looked like it had short-term success, but what they didn't actually follow it up, all of these kids, uh, they found out a lot of them did end up going to prison. And it makes no sense. Logically, we think you scare them, right? Why, why isn't that enough? Why isn't that enough to stop them from coming to prison? Another example that comes to mind is the 1999, I think it was, film, American Beauty, with... Uh, Kevin Spacey, very controversial figure now, uh, pretty decent cast, and this is a spoiler, so please forgive me if you haven't seen the film or we're planning on watching it, but one of the, the, uh, he starts off dead, which he tells us, and he's going to die, and it turns out his neighbour uh, thinks he's homosexual, and the neighbour himself is a repressed homosexual, and uh, he lashes out all throughout the film, he's real, you know, tight strict father persona going on stereotype real aggressive guy and he lashes out and it's you know the whole the film just beautifully portrays this dynamic of i guess the father 
you know, punishing in others the thing that's really in himself, this impulse in himself that he's just suppressed and suppressed and suppressed until it's just swelled up and exploded in aggression and violence. So I think we're getting the message by now that when you suppress things, especially natural things, it's not an effective strategy. It's at best a short-term strategy. Suppression is not the way. So why I'm bringing this up now is because I think part of the consequence of what I talked about in the last two episodes is, is this fear that we lack control just because we're not as responsible for our thoughts and behaviors as we think we are. We haven't really written as much of that story as we think. We're one of the co-authors. Uh, we're probably at best yeah, a very minute one. And so this idea is like, do we not have agency over ourselves? And like, and then I think a natural pattern is to then question and question and question everything we do and everything we think about and judge it and judge it and judge it. And uh, certainly not the way because suppression, again, doesn't work. And I've only listed a few examples. So it begs the question, how do we deal with our impulses then and the things we want to change? I gave one example in the end of the last episode about you're kind of the coach, right? You you shift the way the team and the players you have perform over time through training. And that returns to the basic idea of Astro the dog, all right, from episodes 11 to 13. That dog in your brain that's actually pulling the strings, all right, probably has control of 90% of your brain because that subconscious part is where a lot of your knowledge is buried, all the knowledge that you've been you've inherited through a process of evolution of just millions and millions of years. Uh, but it doesn't, you don't speak English. Uh, sorry, it doesn't speak English, but you do. So tr uh, actually communicating with it and sending it updates about the world is, can't be done through English. You have to train it. And so I'll give you the, I guess the very clear example, I guess we talked about road rage, but we probably talk about something like even public speaking is probably more relatable where, You've got this natural fear of something, right? Public speaking, talking to girls. And initially, you don't understand why that brings you fear, right? And it's and it's real annoying. And you look at yourself as this incapable person, especially if you have what uh, Carol Dweck framework calls the fixed mindset, which is you look at your abilities and they are a measure of you. So you kind of judge yourself for not being good, not being good enough, not being able to speak in public. Understanding Astro the dog and stuff like the lizard brain and, and other versions of Astro the dog gives you a completely different perspective and enables you to understand why you'd be afraid of public speaking, which is, if you recall the episodes we did on Astro, Astro is shaped at a time where you live in a tribe, right, based on natural selection, it only cares about your genetic success, not your happiness, right? It, it, you're motivated to have sex and eat, boost your odds of surviving, um, so that you can make more copies of your, your DNA and so your, your genetics can evolve and get passed on. Uh, so public speaking is this opportunity for you to lose social status and then lose a good pick of the mating partners if you embarrass yourself in front of the group. Right? And then through that, um, through that lens, public speaking makes perfect sense and it's a lot of people's number one fear more than death. So it's certainly not very logical. And it's such a mess until you really understand the way you work and the whole you're not really you and you have all these thoughts and feelings fed down to you and suggested to you and you're the moderator of all those. Um, it's, it's, yeah, once you understand it, 
it's a bit more reassuring. First, you realize you're not crazy, you're not nuts. Second, you realize you can probably get better at it. And third, you realize I just got to train that. Use a bit of exposure therapy, right? That's That completely reorientates the energy from judging and criticizing the self to understanding what's happening and what needs to go better. So I haven't fully gone back into the whole scared straight story, for example, the kids that actually end up being in prison. But I guess environment is super powerful. And we often don't appreciate that. So if you have, uh, you know, we, we all do things we know we shouldn't be doing because they get triggered from, from our environment, right? If, if there's, there's a fridge next to me right now, if there's heaps of uh, Mars bars and chocolates and goodies in that fridge, it's so close to me. The barriers to me actually going over and, um, you know, pigging out are so low. If I have to go buy them, because there's nothing in there right now, luckily, it's such a huge barrier. And I'd much rather rely on changing my environment than my willpower to do something. So if kids like that live in an environment where everyone's behavior and the only friends they have go out and do bad stuff, and I don't fully know the story of Scared Straight, all those kids. But if, you know, we're so vulnerable to peer pressure at the best of times, I still am now, for sure, just in less severe ways. So if we don't change that environment, it's, it's actually a lot harder. It's actually not. And, and that's just one reason. But understanding that dynamic and that enables you to, to do more than just trying to use willpower and judge your thoughts. Right? And it's, it's, I know it's painful because I, I talk to people about this. It's painful to see yourself repeating the same mistakes. And you normally repeat the same mistakes when you haven't learned sufficiently and then reprogrammed your environment. But rather than judging the thoughts and trying to suppress things about you, it's not really the way. It's actually understanding. Because when you understand something, you don't judge. When you understand why that person mistreats you who might mistreat you at the moment, when you understand really why and you unpack it, you normally find a very a reason to empathize with them or feel bad for them rather than to judge them or dislike them. And it's the same of yourself. When you understand where your impulses and negative thoughts and limiting beliefs come from uh, you much less judge them than you will understand and that's a peaceful place not an anxiety or suppression i love the definition of discipline by david dider who like the amazing book way of the superior man which is it's not the suppression of our wants and desires and etc it's the the category it's the ranking of them it's the healthy ranking of them that's the way to understand discipline that's the way to deploy discipline. I just love that. That's very on topic. So you don't suppress or submit. There's a, a, at the end of another great book, Sapiens, right, by Yuval Noah Harari, just talks about, you know, what to do about all this knowledge about the world and the complicated way we've evolved and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it returns to a lot of the Buddhist ideas at times in the book about, you know, a lot of the time we're standing up there crashing into the waves, right? But the waves never stop. And we never control the waves. Rather, what's liberating is once you realize that and you drop back and you just let the waves wash over you. And if you've ever done that in the beach, it's just peaceful. Just understanding what's happening and you're adapting to it. Another uh, saying that a late cousin of mine used to love was, um, you can't, sorry, what is it? You can't adjust the wind. You can't change the wind, but you can adjust your sails. So don't get upset at the wind. Don't get upset that you're more emotional than you want to be. 
Don't get upset that you're needy. Don't get upset that you're afraid of doing something that deep down you want to do. Don't get afraid of the next challenge. It's just by its nature, your body and your systems interpret those things and trigger you to react in a certain way. That, that reaction is not you. That reaction is just an experience from a body that's interpreting signals in a certain way. And that's the wind. You don't, you've never judged the wind, have you? Much less judge yourself. Just figure out how you're going to adjust the sails. Wow, that was nice and deep. Um, but we're going to keep talking with Veen. So in general, like I make the podcast episodes to be consumed in order, but I know it's a big ask to go back to episode one. So now we kind of do them in sub little small kind of sections of maybe five, six, seven episodes. So this one goes from, I've almost forgotten it, I think episode 74. Uh, we're in episode 78 now. Um, we've got an interesting extension on this to come tomorrow. If you want more, you can go to the blog, www.withjoeby.com forward slash blog. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. I look forward to talking again tomorrow. And just remember, as always, that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. <laughs>